Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. In fact, no, hello and welcome to the 100th Leading the Line podcast. Uh, yeah, we've made it to 100. Pretty, pretty mad. Been some journey and I haven't been able to do that journey myself. So I'm delighted to welcome my good friend, Campbell Fenlison to the pod. Campbell, how you doing? I'm fine now laughing at that intro. Um, I know I'm good. Been a good day. So yeah, let's do this. Yeah, let's, let's do this. I don't think I said my name there, but people know my name by now, so I'm not going to bother. Um, there was obviously some midweek SWPL1 action, so we thought, why not do a midweek podcast because our lives aren't busy enough as it is. So let's let's fire straight into it. There's obviously implications at the top of the table. Um, at the time of recording, we were both at one game each. We've been able to see some highlights for one game each, and the two other games, we've seen one goal off. So if we do agree over the, those other two games, it's just because we've not been able to see anything yet. But let's start where you are, Campbell, and let's start probably the game that had most people talking, Celtic against Rangers at Celtic Park. Um, let's just get into the game. Campbell, you were there. First of all, before, you get into, before we get into the game, what was the experience like uh, being at Celtic Park for a women's football game? Yeah, it was good. Um, if it had been at K-Park, it might have been the worst experience of my life because on the pitch it was dreadful. But in terms of being there, it was good. Um, I'm not a Celtic fan, obviously, but it, it makes such a difference seeing the women's games there and their songs are catchy. I don't want to like them, but I do. Um, obviously, I wrote an alternative view last night and that's kind of covered everything that I was feeling as I was sitting there. So it was it was strange. It's, it is weird seeing a stadium like that sitting empty, but obviously we've been used to it with this season um, everywhere. So it's good that women's games are being played there and Hopefully we can get them in with some crowds as well um, in the near future. But it was it was enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it looked like obviously watching the highlights back. It looked it looked different because it was in a, a big stadium, and uh, it's incredible the difference a stadium makes to the size of the pitch. The pitch looked ginormous as well. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the game. As you say, it was um, yeah. I mean, it was it wasn't it wasn't the, the biggest spectacle in the world. Uh, I think probably, I would say in the opening stages, Rangers probably had the better of it. And then probably the first real incident of the game was the uh, Kirsty Howitt injury, which on the replays didn't look great. How how did that kind of come across? And Stephen, what did you make at the start of the game? Um, it was, it is certainly a big pitch there. I think what well, the way we've talked about Rangers with their wingers and things in recent weeks and the fullbacks as well, that it was always going to suit them better. And... They had more of the ball early on, nothing really happened until the injury, as you say. I mean, it was the opposite side of the stadium from us, so it looked innocuous, and when you see it back, it was. It was just the way um, it was Chloe Warrington's moved out the road to, to take the ball. Kirsty Herbert's just going to get her legs started. It's just so when you can see the way it's just going to extend the that. So we've not obviously found out the extent of the injury yet, but it, it didn't look great. Um, not much happened, to be perfectly honest, until Brogan Hay, as was one player we've picked out recently, and she showed why beating Chloe Ward was a great first touch and then just put it across and I mean I've got a bit of sympathy for Emma Brownlow the ball is slightly behind her but she's only about five or six yards out and has just went and hoofed the ball over the bar so it's it's sort of inexcusable and then again it was Brogan Hay where they cut back to Sam Kerr that she missed and that was pretty much it to be honest in the first half um, at the point in the second half where Courtney McKenzie who's obviously reporting um, for some of the SWPL stuff as well kind of turned to me and said you can feel a goal coming and I just kind of looked as if can you there, was, there wasn't really much happening um, Bala David then obviously hit the bar which she probably should score 
Rangers hit the bar again and at that point you're just like this is good no no written all over it was something I said to some of the folk around me and then obviously Celtic got the goal and it was well taken but it's, it's a mistake from Rachel McLaughlin in the first place not to just put it down instead tries to flick it past um, it was Chloe Warrington again who had a really good game actually at left back for Celtic and lost the ball and then it's a good pass in but I, I don't know why Jenna Fife is racing 25 yards out of goal and then doesn't get the ball. It was well taken by Mariah Lee, but it was just the sort of goal that you really shouldn't be conceding, and Celtic hadn't have done much. I don't think that was ever a game where Rangers dominated them, but Rangers would always look the more likely to score, and then <laughs> nothing, Celtic get a goal, and it, it looked, I'd just actually written my last part, and then had to write something else, because the last kick of the ball, again, Jenna Fife comes racing out of goal. It didn't work the previous time, but why should I do it again? And once again, missed it. Sarah Ewan's this time capitalising and then putting it across to it was Chantelle Swabby and then to boot it off her own bar just kind of summed up the game it was a it was a strange strange match of football but Celtic obviously came out on top and Fran Alonso was he, he really enjoyed it we love scenes obviously as we've seen him running down the touchline down his aeroplane celebrations and then shouting Celtic songs in the centre of the stadium as well at the end it was it was strange I think Listen, obviously Celtic are going to enjoy it. There's only two, only two to beat Rangers and to do it twice, given how how they felt they were they were sorry against City a few weeks ago when I saw them. They were again not very good, but they've won and they're now back in the title race. And it was it was just quite a surreal evening, but it's it's a big win in the end for Celtic. Yeah, I mean it feels like coming out of the game. I've kind of obviously I was keeping track of it at Ainsley Park. Um, Burning through my data, streaming it onto my laptop as I was watching the watching the game going on in front of me as well. Um, but felt like a lot of the conversations kind of coming out of the game have been about Rangers. Obviously, we've talked about the Kirsty Howe. I think hopefully she is going to be like fine if it is an injury. It's a really short term when she's back in the pitch really soon. I think that goes without saying. But um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you: We've both now watched Rangers um, struggle to score goals in the last uh, last week. I watched them against Hibs on Sunday, and you obviously were at Celtic Park. Uh, last night you mentioned the fact that Rangers dominated but it didn't feel like they were creating chances do you think that's that's a bit of a problem for Rangers at the moment the fact that they seem to have so much of the ball against these teams but when you actually boil down in terms of goal scoring opportunities they're not creating a lot at the moment I mean I've seen them against the um, Spartans a few weeks ago and it was a 5-0 win before different scorers and Malky Thompson was saying himself that he's pleased with the way they were sharing the goals around and then the last two games have just dried up. I mean, against the Hibs game, obviously there was a lot of chances, but just weren't taking them. And then, and they, they're a couple of good chances, but they should have scored. But other than that, they were they were pretty restricted. Obviously, losing Kirsty Hibbert doesn't help, given how many goals she scored in the league previously. But there was just something missing. I mean, I think when she came off, they lacked that proper striker. I mean, Baladevi, obviously, and then um, Lizzie Arnett will, will do well up in the forward areas, but they're not what you'd call an out and out striker. And then um, obviously Zoe Ness is missing as well, so it's it doesn't help. They've got players that are creating, but we cast the it out and maybe just miss that one that you know is going to put the ball in it. And in the end, I think that's probably what cost them because on another night, those two chances fell to her. She's fit and they score and they go on and win the game. But it's it's going to it could hamper them, of course it could. Um, but it, I don't think it's something that will worry Malky too much because they're, they're still playing well and they're creating these chances and that's that's also the positives for them to begin with. And you look at the chances, nine times out of ten, they're going to put them away. So it'll be one they'll be disappointed to lose, but I don't think they'll, they'll worry themselves too much just yet. 
Um, I was obviously, I speak to people, that's kind of what I do. Um, well, that's what everybody does, I suppose. Eh? But um, I was speaking to people of our Rangers persuasion um, earlier on today, and I wanted to get your take on the penalty shout um, after Baladevi void off the post, um, where she was kind of a bit of a clattering. Oh, what was your take on it? I mean, I, looked at it, I thought I could get given as a penalty, but I could also see it wouldn't get given as a penalty. Did it raise any flags at the time in the game? No, I've not even thought? seen it back, to be honest with you. Um, at the time, there wasn't really much to it. It was just kind of, again, pretty innocuous. There was never really, a, it, there wasn't many real claims. Obviously, there was right at it. But I think that sometimes that kind of tells you um, whether it was or not. And there was no real reaction around me either. So it, was, it wasn't the one that, that stood out. So I've not, I've not seen it back yet to, to, um, to really give you a proper answer. But it, it didn't strike me at the time. And, there weren't really too many complaints at all all around, so I don't think it's one that we'll hear too much more about. Yeah, um, as, as I said, I could see why the question was getting asked, but I could also see why it's maybe not not being given. Um, it's, obviously, the, it's a win for Celtic, and it was one that we said they would have to they would have to have to achieve if they were going to get themselves back into the title picture. But at the same time, from the highlights I've seen, it, it doesn't look like Celtic. I still don't like come out of that game thinking Celtic are still title contenders. It just feels like they've done enough to keep hanging on to the coattails. What was your thought about it? You mentioned you thought that it was kind of one of those games. It felt like the Celtic team that beats Rangers back in November created more chances than the, than the one last night. Yeah, I mean, I still don't rate Celtic defensively. They've, it was a four at the back last night, but there was so many times it looked like a three and they just... They, they get caught out and behind a few times and it was it, they're going to lose goals doing that most of the time um, going forward Sarah Ewans has been on form I don't she, was, she wasn't great last night but she was up she was isolated herself quite a lot so it doesn't help but um, they were better than the City game certainly but they're still not a side that really jump out as one that you go and look at and think they're going to really put on a show here obviously they did last week um, and they, they might do more often but they're not they've not really overly impressed me yet Um the midfield is certainly a lot stronger. That was one thing that stood out last night. They certainly won that battle. Lisa Robertson's obviously you've got the experience. She's been with Hibs and then down at Durham, and she, you can tell that she's that class above really for them there. And she was winning everything given um, the stadium announcers man of the match there as well. And I couldn't really disagree with that. I don't think she was all over the park. And so was Sarah Teagarden as well, who I mentioned um, also came back from a from an ACL injury, but. She was running everywhere last night. She was in and out of fouls. It was wee niggly tackles that were. It was around the Rangers players, but that's that's what you're looking for in a midfield player as well. So they two certainly stood out for me last night, and it was the area where Celtic did win their battles and potentially what's helped them. Obviously, the goal, but it was possibly the thing that kind of won them the game. And Rangers poor finishing, yes, but that was certainly the area where Celtic looked the best because. At the top and at the bottom end of the pack, they don't look great, to be perfectly honest. Um, there was a lack of creativity last night. I don't know if Jacinta just missed out as being one of the unlucky few of the 18 that didn't make the 18, sorry, or whether she was injured, but could have done with someone like her, I think, maybe on the ball. It, it does lack, and they did miss that, but I don't really think they'll care. If, if the Celtic would happily play crap each week and win, then you would play good football and lose. So they weren't, they weren't great, but I don't think Fran Alonso was really was too fussed to come to come the full time whistle. Yeah, I think the the midfield battle is a really good point you make because I think it's definitely it's definitely somewhere where I think Celtic looked like they they had they had a bit more teeth for the fight potentially, and that may be being a little bit harsh, but certainly how it felt. And obviously, 
I mean, the goal at the end, you obviously kind of summed up earlier on as well, but it's the kind of goal that can define a, a title push, that, that kind of moment. And I don't know if I'm misremembering this, but Jen is always quite confident in terms of coming out from, from our goal to kind of almost like that sweeper-keeper role, but it just feels like sometimes the decision isn't quite right. And I think in this instance, it wasn't. And I think maybe that's why the second one happened because it, it maybe just it shook her a little bit and she kind of felt like a, a point to amend it. But in terms of that goal, I mean, you mentioned obviously Rachel McLaughlin was in it as well, but one of the things that stuck out to me watching it back was the way that the once, once uh, Mariah Lee was through, Chelsea Cornet was kind of... It felt like Chelsea Cornet was in a bit of a no-man's line. I didn't know if she was trying to close down the ball or if she was trying to stop the ball going in. And at the end, she just seemed to follow the ball into the net. It, was, it wasn't... I mean, it was... A, the ball from Chloe Warrington to put Mariali through it. I think when you look at it in some of the replays, you see how good, in terms of weight of pass, was really good. And Mariali has obviously done enough to put it in. But there was points in that. There was more than one opportunity, I think, for Rangers to kind of mop that up, for sure. Yeah, I mean, where we were sat, we were kind of right behind it. And you could see you see the space as well at the Celtic part that you wouldn't have got um, if that was played in the K part last night. So Celtic used that well at the goals. Chloe Warrington had a very good game, as I've mentioned, obviously, but it was, um, it was a good pass, the angle of it, and then, obviously, as you say, the weight, but there was still a good 25, 30 yards to the goal before Mariley got to the ball, so if you're Jenna Fife there, surely your first thought is, right, I'm not getting to that, so I'll, I'll just kind of hold off here and then narrow down the angle when she gets nearer, but instead has come out, and then the minute the ball's round her, I mean, if Chelsea Cornet goes for the ball, you think there's more chance she's going to win this year, but then you can see her kind of thought process of, right, I'll go and close it down a bit, but she kind of just got there and then just let the ball go in. Didn't they ever look to kind of come across the front post or blocked in the angle that Mariah Lee has and instead is just just kind of ran straight back to the goal and then just kind of watched the ball go by. It was it was strange. It's, it's a goal Rangers will be disappointed with because they shouldn't really be losing it and it's just a couple of silly decisions at different points in the move that have ultimately cost them. And Celtic took it well, but it's, it's the goal we shouldn't really be losing. Yeah, uh, and that, that defeat meant that it opened up the opportunities for Glasgow City to pull clear at the top of the table. So while you were there with the great and the good of Scottish football media at Celtic Park, I toddled along the M8 to sprawl across the, the stand at Ainsley Park, obviously in a socially distanced manner, um, to watch Hibs against Glasgow City. And I had a thoroughly enjoyable evening at Ainsley Park, which again is maybe not one of the best places in the world to watch football, but I, it was the sun was out, I had to put my sunglasses on, and it was a really entertaining game. Um, Hibs started the game pretty much in the same way that they did against Rangers. They were playing that same formation of like 4-4-1-1. Rachel Boyle playing as a kind of right back and Amy Muir providing support to Ailey Adams. But the difference in this game was that Glasgow City had some early pressure, didn't really trouble uh, Emily much that much. That's a horrible sentence. <laughs> um, but uh, Hibs did take the lead in, uh, just in inside the opening 10 minutes. Uh, some good work by Kirsty Morrison, who kind of slid past Janine Van Wyk quite easily, I thought, um, in terms of how she managed to kind of step by her, put a ball in, and Ailey Adams took took it really well. I, I, I know you will have seen the goal by now, Campbell. It's a, it's a really composed finish from Ailey, and it's, you've got to remember as well that she's still only 16, um, and a uh, really well-taken goal. And I think it was something, it was a weak jolt that I think I wasn't expecting when I turned up at Ainsley Park on, on uh, last night. I keep saying it on Wednesday, but it was last night. I mean, I saw the highlights this morning and it was that kind of way where you knew that was where the goal was coming. 
And I still find myself looking at the screen thinking, why are you taking a touch here when it came to me? I'm not a striker, clearly, but I think your instinct there is to go and hit that first time, a bit like Carla Boyce did um, against Spartan. So it was, aye, but once you took it, she took the goal very well. It was very composed, as you're saying. It was just caught me by surprise, but listen, the ball's in the net, and that's the main thing you're taking there. It was Janine Van Wyck, also we get to watch it at the other end of the pitch, but we've, we've picked her out recently as being... There's been one player that has been really solid for City in that, that new look defensive there. So maybe not one you'll be expecting her to lose there, but it's just simply the pace, isn't it, of, of Ailey to get there just slightly before her and took the goal very well, as I say, despite the touch that I wouldn't have taken personally. But it's in the net and it was a good start for him, of course. That's why we are jobbers on a podcast, Carmo, and not 16-year-old football prodigies. But... I played in defence, Chris, so I mean, I've got excuses. <laughs> And I was left back in the dressing room. There you go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as well, I thought Kirsty Morrison had a really sprightly half an hour when I was there as well in terms of the trouble she called. And I think that's something that I did pick up from a city point of view defensively is that they are very good. I think we saw that against Celtic. They're very good when the, everything's in front of them and they can go and win the ball or come and step out or if it's physical and our Asgrim's daughter can kind of head it clear as well. But it was the first time I seen them come to kind of running in and about them, and it was it was interesting kind of watch to see how they kind of cope with that. Um, but it kind of returned to the mean after that. Glasgow City continuing with pressure again, lots of block shots, um, not not tons of stuff going with action, and then thirty three minutes in, um, Hibs cleared a, cleared another. I think it was a bit of good work by uh, Fola Tadulu. Hibs cleared the ball like the box. Uh, Janine Vyrick picks up maybe 30, 30 yards out. Takes a couple of steps forward. Nobody closes her down. You could feel the shot coming in the start. You could, I could feel like this was she was winding up for it, and she hit it and woofed. Um, it got, it got that noise from me in the stand. We've talked a lot about goals and what is a good and a what is a good and a great goal. That was a great goal. That was a proper, that was a proper howitzer from uh, Janine Van Wyck. It was a good strike, but I, I still get the feeling that it could have been saved. I don't think Emma much was quick enough across the goal. I don't want to sit and blame her, of course you don't. It was, it is a great strike. We're not going to take away for that. But from what you described to me, you've always got that image in your head, and then what you actually see. I think she got a touch on it, and it's maybe maybe that's all that's in my head that you've got a touch. Maybe you could have pushed it further wide, but it was a great strike and certainly a good way to get City back in back into the game and to get your first goal for the club as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then after that, it kind of petered out until half time. Um, at, so speaking to Scott Booth after the game, and we've got some thoughts from Scott and Dean uh, in a wee moment. Um, he wasn't effusive in his praise of the, the final first half performance in terms of chances. He wasn't happy. He didn't really create shots and goal apart from that one from Janine. Brought in Lauren Davidson for Aoife Koval. And Lauren Davidson's a player who's obviously been coming kind of coming back into the team. Well, I say back into the team, but she's been coming into the team since he's uh, since the kind of the turn of the season. And, she um she scored that double against Motherwell and uh, she kind of came on and she made a bit of an impact. She had a couple of chances. Uh, one was a spin and turn on the edge of the box, just went wide. And then she had a, an effort, like she just kind of covered in the post. But uh, the real difference maker for City in that second half was Priscilla Sinchia, who was again a really entertaining watch. She has got really quick feet. You can see she thinks about the game maybe a couple of steps ahead to some of the players on the park. And the penalty that came around was through her. Um, she got the ball in the edge of the area, drived in and was taken down by Joel Murray. Um, for, in the stand, it looked like a, a, a clear penalty to me. There wasn't much protest on the pitch at the time either. Uh, I know there's been a couple of alternative angles at it, but I think 
the, the one of the angles at it. Maybe it doesn't show exactly what happened in terms of the, the contact, but um, was it a penalty for you from what you've seen, Campbell? Yeah, I mean, she's done well in the box. It was, it was nearly fouled outside. Um, and it's just that way of getting your body in front. It was good places. It was one we picked out of the Celtic game as being someone who was quite diminutive and can get in about players, as you're saying. And again, just that case of, there's the ball. I've just got my body across the front of it. And then felt the contact went down. I wouldn't say there was any complaints um, with the penalty. And then she just stuck it away well as, um, as well. So... It's good for City there that they're getting, we've mentioned Irene Van White getting their first goal, but to have a striker then getting on the score sheet as well and begin to kind of put the ball in the net. Obviously, Odie Fuller to do lose had six goals in the first two games. It helped. So it's say Priscilla Chinchia getting on the score sheet as well was, was good for City. And as I, said, I don't think there was really any complaints um, about the penalty from my point of view. No, I don't think so either. And yes, you took the penalty very well. There's always there's always something about like a penalty that stands the keeper up. The keeper just can't move, and that's that's what she did with that penalty. And then kind of from there, the game didn't peter out, but there wasn't there wasn't a ton of stuff to happen. Hibs did try and come back into it again a little bit towards the end, but didn't really create many chances on the back of that. And it was very much a case of kind of job done for Glasgow City. And then obviously with the game kicking off ten minutes after the, the old firm game. There was a little bit of noise about the fact that Celtic had beaten Rangers. So um, a good result for Glasgow City. But before we kind of talk about the implications for them, I spoke to both head coaches, first of all, Scott Booth and then Dean Gibson. And this is what they both had to say about the game and two of their standout performers on the day. Yeah, really hard fought win. Thought Hibs did really well. They've got a game plan and um, I think the coach and staff have done well with them. They've, they really did get the, the best out of them tonight. Um, and they were always dangerous on the break against us and they've got some really good young players on that side so because of that I'm, I'm delighted that you know we go a goal down and we fight our way back to get the three points. We had one shot at goal in the first 45 minutes, one shot at goal and, and that was our goal. Um, so I was encouraging them to, to, to do more like that, you know, find the angle, find the, the space to to get the shot away quicker because um, Hibs were sitting in quite deep. Um, but I thought you know, we've played, we've played better, there's no doubt we've played better, but a lot of that was down to how we had played. Well, exactly, I keep encouraging her to get in the, in the box, because, you know, it's, she's one of those that she's, she's so tricky that um, it, it's quite inevitable that the defenders are going to have contact with her, because she's just got that quick feet and she can move, move and change direction so quickly. So, yeah, we encourage her in the final third to get into dangerous positions, and um, that's what she did. I thought they were good. I mean, the girls are—they just feel you'd be pride when you watch them play the way they do. Read before the game on social media, Glasgow City made eight changes before the game. We've not even got seven sub. Never mind make eight changes. So, for us to go to two games like that back to back with a very shortened squad and to put the effort in, and we finished the game very strong as well. I, I, I physically can't ask any more of these players right now. Um, we're playing players out of position. We're, we're trying to get the best out of them, and, and, they're, and they're doing everything we're asking. And, did we create more today? I thought we did. I thought the first half we broke on Glasgow City four or five times and out of the four or five times we could have scored three goals in the first half. Second half, all right, we remember never created as much but naturally my legs were going to tire. We were, we were going to um, lose a little bit of energy in the second half but I can't be proud of this group of players. Um, they're giving me absolutely everything right now. Ailey Adams is, in my opinion, going to be one of the best strikers this country's produced. I think she's outstanding. She's 16 years old. She's got the things that you can't teach. She's tall, she's strong, she's athletic. 
She's got everything about her to go and be a, a top top player, and she's leading the line like a sixteen year old, eh, not six, a thirty, <laughs> a thirty year old right now. And we can't ask any more from her. She knows herself that sometimes she needs to calm down, relax. But she's sixteen. She's only going to get better. If she's that good now, how good she's going to be in four, eh, four or five years? She's she's outstanding. So yeah, um, heard from uh, Dean and, and Scott there, but that result obviously means that Glasgow City now go clear at the top, uh, three points clear. And given the fact that Rangers lost and Celtic won that, that's a that's a pretty big win for Glasgow City uh, against Hibs. It was a big win, yeah. City were a team that remember speaking to obviously just before Christmas, but we were kind of thinking this is it's going to be a challenge for them. They've come back and they've they've been really really good and shown why they've won the league all these years. Um, it's a different squad, of course, it is, but they they just look to me from what I've seen of them more like more like more like a kind of a cohesive unit. I think than some of the other sides, and it's, it's a tough place to go into. Of course, it is. Hibs have, have shown better signs in recent weeks compared to what they had done um, in some previous games, but it's it's a big one for City. And obviously, the game against Rangers is still going to be crucial. But to give that lead now, whether ahead on points rather than just goals, it will give them a bit of a boost. I think. Yeah, I think so, and I think as well, Glasgow City will. Obviously, I've got the advantage in terms of goal scoring. I think they'll pull ahead in terms of goal difference this weekend as well with the, the fixtures that are kind of lined up for them. Um, I think there should be a wee note for the Hibs performance though, because I've now, I've watched our last two games now and uh, Dean Gibson seems to have found a way to play uh, that gets the best out of his, best out of his team, this kind of defensive unit and using the, the almost like the counter-attack. Um, I've mentioned Ailey Adams already. She was very impressive. But I also thought that Amy Muir playing further up the park seems to be getting a bit more out of her than what was happening when she was playing fullback. I was, I, I always think there's more to come with Amy. I think she's one of our one of the SWPL's most promising players, and it felt like she was drifting a little bit. But she seems far more involved in the central role, which you know, natural central role in that. Um, and I also thought Ray McCafferty, who had to come in for Amy Gallagher on Sunday, was equally as tireless. Um, and I know that the Hibs won't. Be obviously what Hibs aren't going to be in title contention, they aren't going to go for the Champions League. But I don't know about you, and we'll talk about another couple of teams in a wee second. But I do get the vibe that Hibs and Celtic to extend and Spartans are looking a little bit sharper than they maybe did when, when they first came back from the break. Definitely. I mean, there's four from the team that we picked out is kind of chasing them as well, and they've almost dropped off a bit. And while they've been doing that, um, Hibs in particular, especially in the last few weeks, have, have picked up. And it's more like the Hibs have been used to seeing. They've, they've still got a, a depleted squad. They're still missing some players that would obviously be there from the start and they've lost players over the last few years as well. But obviously they've lost these last two games, but they're getting closer to teams that earlier in the season, obviously Rangers was tight, but teams that have played them and have looked a lot better against them. So I keep it kind of down to, obviously you don't want to lose a game, but losing out by the one goal to the top two that have been going and beating everybody else pretty comfortably. There's, there's good signs for them there, and that's when they're missing still some players that would usually be playing um, in that centre-back position. So they won't let lose, and of course they won't, but I think if Hibs can kind of keep that momentum, not not that momentum, but they can keep playing sort of the way they're doing and work that bit more as that unit, then you'll see them picking up points against the likes of Spartans and Forth for the next time they play them. And it should be an interesting battle, actually, for that final spot, because there's three... Sides that are fairly evenly well matched. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other thing with Hibs at the moment is they have got a very short squad. Um, they have 
very conveniently, about an hour before we started recording this, announced that they have got another player coming in in July in the shape of Tony Malone, who's coming from uh, Vacker Innsbruck in the Austrian Bundesliga. And obviously they've got Gabby English to come in in goal and Emma Heikela, who was originally scheduled to come in, uh, obviously January time. And then the world we live in at the moment meant that it will now be July. But they, they obviously have got reinforcements. They will need more reinforcements. But yeah, I think I think Dean Gibson can take some heart from those last two performances. And if they can convert that defensive, solid, defensive kind of ruggedness that they've seemed to have developed into some more chances. I think they could potentially cause Celtic some problems on Sunday who we have, I think we've spoke about in the past that sometimes they don't always know how to break down teams. Um, and I think if that's how Hibs play, if they play similar as they did against the Rangers in Glasgow City, that could be an interesting one. But Hibs aren't in fourth at the moment. It is Spartans, and Spartans are in fourth, uh, courtesy of a 2 1 win against Forfar Farmington. Two early goals from Becky Galbraith. She's, I think that's her up to six for the season now, and a uh, Cheryl Kilcoyne goal uh, just before half time. Um, good result for Spartans. Well, as we said at the start of the podcast, we haven't been able to see any highlights of this one yet, so not tons we can say, but going up to going up to Forfar midweek, which I've noticed a couple of teams are going to have to do. It seems to be Forfar away as a, a midweek fixture. Um, but getting a 2 1 win. Spartans will be happy with that, especially obviously after a couple of the recent results. Yeah, I mean, it's the game that Spartans would look at as one that they should be winning, but it's also never going to be easy against that four-first side. But um, obviously I've not seen it. I'd like to think it was an enjoyable game, but it looked like it would have been tight. Um, and when you win a tighter game, there's sometimes just that wee bit more feeling of, right, we've really worked hard for that game and now go and build on it. And it's something that I think Spartans will look to do. Obviously, they've had some tough fixtures and a couple of heavy defeats in recent weeks. Um, we talk about Celtic, they're struggling to break teams down. Spartans would have taken the game to them. And that's obviously what cost them there. And taking the game to Fordfar has clearly worked for them. I know Fordfar, obviously, Kirsty Fraser has disappeared there. She's, she's left. Um, so it's a defender there that... It's a good solid play. We've seen at Aki's as well, so it'd be, it'd be tough to replace her there. But um, it's a big win for Spartans because, as we said, they have dropped off a wee bit. They've got that good win against Hibs and not really built on it. So it's good to see them winning a the game again. And I say it's going to keep it tight in there. We can see there's only a couple of points really in, in it up that um, for that fourth spot. And Spartans are certainly well within it. And when it comes to playing Hibs again, that'll be it will be an interesting game to see how those two can uh, go up against each other. Sorry. And, Possibly it could be the game where the winner takes four. Yeah, absolutely. I am moving on to the last game of the weekend, um, the weekend theory of midweek, um, which is Motherwell against Hearts, the, the battle of the bottom two, and it was Motherwell that came at Victor's two one winners. Um, Claire Adams' goal is up on on Twitter. We have spotted that, and I think I've, I've given it a retweet via leading the line. But at the moment, there hasn't been any highlights up for that one as of yet. Uh, but goals from Claire Adams and Nicole Puller to put uh, Motherwell two 0 up at half time. And then looking at the, the Twitter feeds, it looks like Hearts maybe didn't turn up in that first period, but kind of regrouped in the second. Kirsty McIntosh getting her first SWPL1 goal, um, which is great for her, obviously signing from Hamilton Aki's SWPL2. But Motherwell holding on for a 2-1 win to take them up to seventh and put Hearts back in the bottom of the table. Um, much like the four first partner games, we can't say tons about this, but it's, I think there's, there is something to be said for, although there's not much to play for at the bottom of the table, for these sides playing somebody at their level as opposed to facing up to Glasgow City and Rangers, it'll be a different challenge for them. I'm sure one that both teams will, will have enjoyed. Yeah, it's the sort of game where you can really judge these sides. and Well, you could if we could see it. Um, but uh, 
It's a big win for Motherwell, just in terms of confidence, because even at the weekend, seeing Hearts get the point, that kind of just nudged them that wee bit, um, that bit further ahead. It's not great for Motherwell themselves, obviously, to a big defeat at City, so you're, you're not wanting to lose confidence from it. So to then get a midweek game, when you've lost a game that heavily, you want a game to bounce back pretty quickly and to get it in midweek and then get a pretty important win for them, it's, it's definitely good for Motherwell. And I think it's the sort of thing that will... It's not going to change a season, of course it isn't, but it's it can certainly play its part in changing your fortunes a wee bit. And maybe a bit more belief in that Motherwell side where they're now thinking, right, we're not on the bottom and we can we can try and look up slightly against some of the sides in the rounders rather than, as you say, worrying about going away to like to City and uh, facing Celtic and Rangers as well. So it's a good win for Motherwell. Um, the Hearts will be disappointed, obviously, having, having lost so late on and you know, lost the three points so late on on Sunday to then go to a game that they would have seen as one they should be winning or could win as well, to then not, it won't be easy to take, but it's um, a game that, again, from all of what we're reading, it did seem pretty entertaining between the two sides at kind of that level where they can they can play their own football and they can kind of see what they're about that wee bit more. Um, and it's maybe the sort of game it would have been at otherwise. But, uh, hi, it's a, bit, it's a big one for Motherwell in terms, just to say in terms of confidence of things really, because I don't think league placements are going to change too much. Yeah, I feel like the, the, the kind of mini leagues within the league, I think, are probably quite well set now for the rest of the season. But it does mean, hopefully, that we do get some competitive games. And as I said earlier on, I, I do think that the, the teams in the mini league below the top could, on their day, if things go go their way and things go the other way, could potentially still throw a spanner in the works. For Farmington have done it already this season, and I can... I can believe that uh, the other teams could do so as well. But um, that kind of wraps up the, the, the midweek wrap-up. We've got more games coming this Sunday. They are now coming officially. They are now officially stamped as thick and fast. Um, I've checked the, I checked the definitions and I can confirm thick and fast has, has been confirmed. Um, so coming up this weekend, Hearts against Glasgow City, which will be live on BBC Sports Scotland. Um, Spartans are playing Motherwell. It's Rangers 4 for Farmington. And Celtic against Hibs is a BBC Alaba game. So obviously... Uh, Rangers, I know, are putting theirs out uh, in pay-per-view, and I know Spartans have had uh, YouTube coverage of their games as well. So hopefully all four will be available to view if you chose to do so. Or if you just want to pick one, just pick one of them. Um, but uh, for now, Campbell, thank you very much for coming on as always, buddy. Yep, cheers again. Nah, no worries. And um, thank you very much. This was episode 100. Will there be 100 more? Who knows? Who knows what life will bring? But for now, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we'll speak again soon. <laughs>